0: Good morning guys, happy to see you guys this morning, so good to be together and for those joining online, love to see you guys too. Um, you know, I'm actually really glad I don't have to wear a mask while I'm speaking to you guys and I think you guys are probably happy about that too because my wife and others always tell me I, they have a hard time hearing me, I, I mumble a lot, that's what she says, So. You, you guys are blessed that I don't have to wear a mask while I'm talking to you. You know, I'm just trying to be funny. That's, that's true, though. Um, but let's, let's do our best to focus on Jesus this morning. That's what we're here for. I know those things can be distracting, you know. It's distracting, and, and what, what, what your opinions or thoughts are on it, you know, it can, it can distract us. Those can be in our minds. So let's just focus on Jesus this morning. I, I really love what John said, something that he said in our, our pastoral meeting, and I think it came across in the email, that, you know, we, I would rather meet here together with you guys, you know, having to wear a mask than not being here together, you know? I would rather be here together in your presence to, and, and worship together, so, rather than stay home, so. Um, let's just take one minute and just quiet ourselves and just lean into Jesus. Let's do that, Just just kind of. Lean into Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. So this morning, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and um, why this message, why do I feel like this message is something um, for today, for this morning. Personally, I I have just been wrecked by the Holy Spirit, by His goodness and His kindness, when He shines a light on how, how my heart is, and how I what's happening in my heart, even when there's nothing there, (laughs) you know, even when there's no fruit there. He's still kind, he's still good, he still loves me, he still wants to work in my life. And so for for me, personally, that's just a season I've been going to, as the Holy Spirit is shining a light in areas, what's going on there, you know, in his kindness and his gentleness. Um... And, and why am I speaking this to you guys? Well, I've really felt some, some impressions from the Holy Spirit as I've taken time with him. We've had a lot of prophetic words about 2020. Has anybody heard any prophetic words leading up to and at the beginning of 2020? There have been a lot of prophetic words about this year. And, you know, and then coronavirus happened, and then uh, the, tra- the tragedy and trauma of what's happening, um, you know, George Floyd and the things that are happening in the world, you know, the the light that's been shed on these, this racial injustice, these things have happened, and I think the enemy can come in and say, hey, you know, those words were not true words, you know? So that's, you know, we're so far away from what the Lord has for us, or we feel that way, and so we're like, man, what were those words about, Lord? Well, the reality is those words, most of them, I think, are probably true, and if those words are true, Jesus knew what was right around the corner. He knew what was happening. You know? He wasn't surprised by any of it. And so he gave us these prophetic words for a reason. And so I, I say we've got to hold on to them. You know, We've got to hold on to these things. We've got to keep them in front of us. We've got to ask the Lord with these new lenses, give us new lenses to see what's going on, to interpret how do we apply these things in our lives? Keep them before us. When things come up that go against those things, you know, rather than just give up or get depressed or give up hope or something like that, we press in into relationship with the Holy Spirit. We dialogue and say, what's happening here? Lord? Give me your heart, give me your vision about this thing. In my conversations with the Holy Spirit recently, I felt the impression that he wants to shine a light, not just on my heart, but in the hearts of the people in our nation, his people in our nation. He wants to shine a light on those things, to examine what fruit is coming forth. It's all in kindness, it's all in gentleness, but are we bringing healing? Is the fruit in our lives bringing healing to the people around us? That's the question. And he wants to do it, he wants to do that. So, two things we're going to do this morning. The first is take a look at God's Personal creative presence, that is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who creates and generates growth and life within us. And hopefully we're going to experience His presence this morning. I don't just want to talk about His presence, I don't want to just talk about the Holy Spirit. We want Him to be here present with us, and He is. And hopefully we're going we're to see that. We want to be intimately involved with Him. The second thing we're going to talk about is examining ourselves. And seeing what happens when the Spirit begins to grow things within us. And what, what, could, what could hinder that? What could steal from us? So I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're speaking to us, God. Just make us aware of you, more aware of you, God. Thank you for your... For your fruit, Holy Spirit, the fruit of love. We want to eat of your fruit, Jesus, this morning. Amen. So, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Could you pull that triune God image up here? How many people have seen this image or an image like this before? If you've taken Sockham, you have... Sockham didn't create it. It's been around for a long time. But this is a way for us to visualize and understand God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all God. But the Father, of course, is not the Son. And the Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. And the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And vice versa. But they're all God. Okay? So just have that in your in your mind. Um, We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. How does this work? Well, I'm not going to talk to you about that this morning because that's not what this message is about. I'm not going to tell you how the Trinity works, but this is a great time to talk to you and encourage you about the School of Kingdom Ministry. How many people have taken School of Kingdom Ministry? We actually have graduation tonight for our class. Clap for them. I'm excited for them. We would love for you to join School of Kingdom Ministry. We're going to start it this fall in September. We're going to start getting the word out now about it. We want as many people as we can have in this class. And so if you've taken it before, I just want to recommend, think of five people you can invite to take it. And if you don't know what it is, let's, let's meet after church and I'll tell you all about it. But moving on here. In John 16, Jesus is going to go to the cross. He hasn't gone to the cross yet, but he's, he's with the disciples. He's sharing with them his heart. He's, he's laying out everything. With, <laughs> finally, he's, he's speaking clearly to them. He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And he actually says, it's better that he leaves. Jesus says it's better that he leaves and goes back to heaven so that he can send the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in them and rest upon them. Why does Jesus say it's better for the Holy Spirit to be here rather than Jesus just staying, you know, raising from the dead, staying and setting up his kingdom? Why does he say it's better? Well, the reality is that the Holy Spirit makes the Father and the Son known to us. The Holy Spirit makes the Father and the Son known to us. We know God's personal presence by the Holy Spirit. That's how we know God. He wants to dwell within you. He wants to come and rest upon you. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father is, and just as much God as the Son is. And because of this, it's vital to our lives that we know him as God as well. We need to know him as God. Think about the times the disciples said things to Jesus like, show us the Father. Disciples said that to Jesus a lot, and Jesus replies, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I look like the Father, the Father looks like me. In the same way, you know, we think, man, if Jesus was just here in the flesh, here and now, and the reality is the Holy Spirit's like, I'm here. <laughs> if you see me, you see Jesus. You see the Father if you see me. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here right now. Because the Holy Spirit is here. The reality is the Holy Spirit is way more important than in our lives than we realize. And He wants relationship with you. He's the person of God at work in our lives. He takes everything that the Father and the Son has done and he makes those things real to us. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be at work? Well, the Holy Spirit has some different roles and these are just some aspects of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things that we could talk about the Holy Spirit but these are some of his, his roles, some of the aspects of the Holy Spirit. One, he's a creator. He's a life giver. He is the breath of God into humanity in the beginning and at the new birth, right? God breathed the Holy Spirit into Adam and Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift to his people, the empowering presence of of God upon his people to do things they normally wouldn't do. It empowers us to do things we normally wouldn't do. The Holy Spirit's our helper. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He's the source of wisdom, revelation, and power. He guides us into truth. He works through us and He partners with us as He manifests the power and the love of God. Another thing that He does is He loves messing with us. (laughs) He loves messing with us. He loves messing with our mind and our heart. He loves, what I mean by that is like the Holy Spirit, He walks us through a process of transformation. You know he, he breaks down things that, that we've held on to and he, he builds truth. He builds upon the foundation of Jesus. He sanctifies us. He makes us new. He reminds us of our righteousness in Jesus. He knows our minds. He knows our thoughts and he renews them. He dwells within and grows good fruit in every believer. So like I said, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and that's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's his fruit. When we just talked about it, his role, those are his fruits. They're his fruit. <laughs> that is one fruit. We'll talk about that in a second. So, let's turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, this verse is one of the most condensed descriptions of what happens when the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, gets a hold of someone's life and begins to change and transform them. Transform them. So let's read them together. You probably already know them by heart. Read them out loud if you'd like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? How many of you, when, when naming those off, listing those off, heard a tune in your head? A few of you, yeah. Right? Like when we were kids, we learned the fruit of the Spirit through a song. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what your life should look like. All right? Ready, set, go. Go be this, go do this. I'm done. Worship team, come on back up. Um, we'll just pray and we'll be done and you can go. No, it's not that simple, right? It's not really that simple. It can be complicated. I mean, we, can't, I, we can't just send you off and say, go do this, go be this, Right? So here's the thing. How many of you feel pretty good about yourself when reading that list off and looking at your life? Right, like maybe at some point I've had a few of those happen. (laughs) I've seen that in seasons, right? Sure. At some point I've seen some of those things. So let's examine ourselves. Why, why aren't all of those things all the time always coming forth? Why, why not? Why do old things in our past keep living? seem like they keep living on? The question, why do I see negative things still coming out of my life at times, you know, Why, why does that happen? I think we've all been there. I think we've all seen things like that. I've seen amazing things happen. I've seen the power of God touch people. I've seen people healed. I've seen demons cast out of people. Why do I still struggle sometimes to see these things come out of me? There are, you know, in all of our lives, issues or traits or baggage or patterns of thinking. Or maybe even real deep character flaws, to be honest just ways that we process and maybe treat or mistreat one another. The way that we deal with circumstances when they're overwhelming. You know what I'm talking about? For some of us, things just keep coming back. You know, we've, we've we've brought these things to the Lord and maybe they've gone away for a few years and something comes up and we see them again, you know? I'm 35. I've been following Jesus for a while now, and when things like this come come back up, I'm like, wow, I'm still dealing with that thing? (laughs) Like, I'm still dealing with that? Why why am I still dealing with that? Why do I feel that way again? Why why is this happening? It's like, I'm a Christian, come on. Like, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Why is this still a thing? (laughs) Why isn't the fruit of the Spirit just simply happening? When, when writing this message, I received a lot of opportunities to see if the fruit was evident in my life. <laughs> Lynn will tell you. It was a hell of a time uh, <laughs> trying to write this week. Isaiah wasn't feeling great and didn't sleep much. And Lynn took the brunt of that because she's the best mom ever. And um, But the lack of sleep kind of made it hard to do things or focus or write or do some of the work I wanted to do this week and get done. You can ask Glenn. I was pretty irritable. I was selfish, for sure. Uh, She, on the other hand, her fruit is just there. Like, her fruit is just there. (laughs) It's awesome. She's patient. She's kind. She's loving, even when telling me how much of an ass I am. (laughs) Like, she is. She is. She's really kind when she tells me that. So, she didn't in her way of telling me that. And so, before going further, I want to emphasize: I think that memorizing those verses, memorizing the fruit of the spirit, it's you know the whole thing of remembering it as a song. It's a good thing; um, it helps get those ideas buried within us. I mean, and it comes to our mind, right? It's a good thing, but at the same time, it could present a challenge to us. Because we think, man, this ought to be really easy. Like, we ought to be able to pray one night and then wake up the next day with no more anger problems, right? Or we wake up with uh, perfect ability to manage our money, (laughs) you know? Or we think we should wake up with matured kindness and gentleness for those with different opinions than us. You know, whatever it is, whatever the thing that rises up, whatever your deal is, it's it's not that simple, you know, when we look at it. We get frustrated because we think it should be simple, but when we see our failings up close and personal, hopefully, you know, we see them the most, hopefully. You know, sometimes those around us, our spouses can tell us, you know. Um, but we think, you know, why isn't this Christianity thing working? <laughs> why... Why isn't this happening? I know the Holy Spirit. Why you, I know you're in there. Why isn't this changing? Why isn't Jesus like bonk me on the head? You know? <laughs> zap me and make me suddenly perfect. You know? And he does love to zap us. He, he will bonk us on the head when we need to be, but, but it's not suddenly perfect. And so we, we've just looked at this verse and we listed these things off. What we need to do is understand the context. And in this part of the letter, Paul's writing all about the progress of the inner change, of the inner life, the change of the inner life, the transformation of the inner life. And I encourage you to read the whole letter, all all of Galatians. It takes about 20 minutes. If you read it out loud, it'll take 20 minutes to read the whole thing. Do that sometime. Read it to yourself. But let's think about the the idea, the metaphor, the fruit that Paul is, is using here, this metaphor. The fruit is singular. It's one fruit, okay. It's one fruit. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's one thing with different aspects. Brie reminded me when we were doing the practice that the fact is, like a fruit tree doesn't grow a bunch of different types of fruits, right? It's one one fruit tree grows one kind, right? You're not gonna get apples and oranges and bananas on the same tree. It's one fr- one tree, one fruit, but it has many different qualities. The fruit itself has many different qualities. You know, if we went to the store and we bought some seeds and we brought them home and we planted them all and then we just forgot about them for six weeks or however long it takes for, for that plant and we expect to just go pick after neglecting it, how's that going to go for us? Those of you who have gardens, how's that going to go? Yeah, probably not, not too well, right? How much fruit will there be? Well, there might be Some. There might be one tomato plant that lived, <laughs> you know, with half of, half of its dead, you know, that survived the neglect. There might be something. There'd be a lot of weeds, right? There'd be, there'd be a few or more random unhealthy pieces. There'd be a lot of dead stuff. But that's not how we tend a garden or an orchard, right? That's not how we do that. You have to learn how to care for the ground and the plants. You have to learn how to spot potential problems, right? You have to learn how to deal with pests and predators, insects, rabbits, woodchucks, whatever it is. Kevin, John, um, you guys know what I'm talking about, John Bertram, you guys know what I'm talking about. I've seen your garden, it's beautiful. You guys have done a great job. (laughs) Let's say we put in the work and we care for the garden and we protect it. After all of that, can I say I grew a strawberry? Can I say I grew a strawberry? Well, no, actually we can't say that. We cannot say that. What did we do? What did, we, what did I do? What I did was I put in the, the, the work to create an environment where hopefully fruit could be grown. Right? I didn't actually grow that, that piece of fruit. I did work that hopefully would help it grow. How does fruit actually grow? Well, there's a huge ball of gas, you know, far, far away. It's called the sun, right? Maybe you've heard of it. And it emits a huge amount of energy and heat. And how much control did I have over that? Probably none. But hopefully I put my garden in a place where I could receive that. Right? How much control did I have over the genetic structure of the plant? Zero, unless I'm a scientist modifying and engineering those things. I'm not. And then there's this thing called photosynthesis uh, that we talked about in school and we probably forgot about. Um, that I have no control over that. Uh, there are many other parts that go into to growing the plant that produces the fruit that I had no control over. Had nothing to do with. Those those things are really what grows the fruit. But but, but my role is still crucial. Your role is still crucial, right? I can prepare a place where the possibility for much fruit is grown, or I can hinder the amount of fruit that's grown, right? If I don't play my role as a gardener, things aren't going to go well for me. They aren't going to go as well as they could. There's some people that we look at who, who they've known Jesus for years, but for some reason, it seems like they haven't grown in a real significant way. I'm not judging anyone, but it's just you, know, you can just see people like that, right? And it might just be because we haven't seen every part of their life, so we don't know what's going on. Or it may be because they're not cultivating a good environment, right? On the other hand, we've seen people who have just given their lives to Jesus, and like within months, it seems like they're producing more fruit. There's more fruit than half the church body. <laughs> it's like, well, what happened there? It's like, it comes down to lifestyle and choices. They position themselves before God. Paul picked this metaphor purposefully. It's brilliant because fruit is one of those realities. Jesus said, That the Father is the gardener. He's the vine, we're the branches. The Holy Spirit takes what the Father does, and He teaches us how to partner with Him. He teaches us how to garden with Him. And He's the one who produces fruit from the inside out. It's like I said, it's possible to hinder our growth. (coughs) Excuse me. You can quench the spirit, you can grieve the spirit. He can minimize the work of the Spirit. In my story, I've done those things. There are times when pain and things in my life, I just turned away from God because of those things, and I knew He was still there. I actually knew the Holy Spirit was around me, but I didn't want—I didn't want to listen to Him. I had desires in my flesh that I went after, right? And it grieved the Holy Spirit, I, I quenched the Spirit. I minimized His work in my life. The history that I knew that I had with Him, I minimized it. The enemy lied to me, and I, but I believed those lies, and so I minimized the work. And then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and His goodness and His kindness, and He brought me around, and He, sh- he showed me through gentleness and kindness that that the lust, the desires of my flesh aren't gonna satisfy me, right? His goodness and his kindness brought me to repentance. So let's frame this. Let's, let's look back, actually, and, and if you have your Bibles still open in Galatians 5, let's look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the way to grow the best fruit. Walking with the Spirit and walking by the Spirit. What do I mean by that? The Spirit is in our life. He's, again, the person of God living inside of us. And He's leading us. He's helping us. He's the one that's growing the fruit inside. The Holy Spirit, He takes all the things, again, the Son has done, and all of Christ's attributes, and he lets us eat from them. (laughs) And he shines them down upon us, right? And the seeds planted are the love of the Father of the Son inside of us. And it produces the fruit of love, actually. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of love. The very presence of Jesus has been planted, and it's been sealed within us. We've been stamped, we've been marked by the Spirit. We're not marked by sin any longer. We're not marked by the beast of sin any longer. It's not, in our lives, it's not controlling us. It's not not giving us our identity any longer. But if we haven't done well to care for our garden, then those things will still come up. Those weeds will still come up. And it means we haven't been walking by the Spirit like we could be. thing I'm trying to say here isn't that it's just simple, just now go walk by the Spirit and go do the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about doing. You must allow yourself time to learn from the Lord. Learn how to care for your garden. As the Holy Spirit teaches you, you have to be intentional. It's not that we don't do anything, but we don't just try to be something. We belong to the Lord. And in that we be, be who he's made us to be and out of that comes the fruit. We have, to be, we have to allow ourselves to be taught. Paul goes on to identify the predators or pests coming to ruin our garden. We want to learn how to identify the woodchucks or the bunnies or the insects, whatever they are. The things that want to steal from us. Paul talks about the desires of the flesh. Learn what the works of the flesh are. They're stuff that we do. There's stuff that people do. There are habits of the flesh, right? No one taught you how to be selfish, right? No one taught you how to be selfish. If you have children, you know that. (laughs) You know, you have babies, you know that. You didn't teach them how to be selfish. You're teaching them how not to be selfish. We just developed them. They just were there. Think about this. Think about a time, maybe, the last time, perhaps, you were, you were in a tense moment with a, with a friend, a coworker, a family member, whatever. And, and again, it's a tense moment, right? Remember, think about this. And maybe this thought comes to your mind, you know? Here's what I could say. Here's what I could say to that person. <laughs> they don't have, they have no idea what they've been doing for the last five months. They've been really jerks to me or to others. I could really make them feel despicable and horrible about themselves. Think about that. Then you have this other thought that comes to your mind. It says, dude, you know the kind of person you are. You don't want to do that. You, know? you have a friend, and they did that the other week. And, and you, you just saw how lame that was, and you did not like that at all. And you, you, you know it's not kind. You know that person's going through something. You don't want to make those decisions. So you go back and forth in your head, and all this happens in seconds, Right? like seconds. <laughs> how, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced something similar to that? Right? We have. And so it's exactly in this moment and in the moments like these that the Holy Spirit wants to upgrade us. He wants to upgrade us. And Paul is saying, look, we live in the midst of a conflict. And depending on which woodchuck you've been feeding lately or if you've been fighting him off, taking thoughts captive, tending your garden with the Holy Spirit and making sure every part is receiving enough rays from the sun, the sun, right? And enough living water from the Holy Spirit, it's gonna determine how that conflict's gonna go, right? So depending on if I have truth, if I have scripture in my heart, depending whether I've I've even had Jesus on my mind at all this week, (laughs) you know, these are things that are all factors that are gonna come into play. Depending on how I've been gardening my life, and depending on how I've been posturing myself, what I've been taking in, you know? Are those things gonna be conductive to, to growth in my life or not? You have to take an inventory. And if I haven't been, if I haven't been doing a good job or I haven't been taking inventory, I shouldn't be surprised by what fruit comes out. You know? If I go, if if something's really ticking me off and I haven't spent time with Jesus, I just go on Facebook and I type out about it. You know? Is that going to be good fruit for anybody else to take? It's a question to ask. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just just giving that example because we see that a lot. I've done that myself. Many times uh, the nine aspects, it's nine aspects of that fruit of love, the fruit of the Spirit, are developed and brought to maturity through contrasting and opposing forces, right? Jesus says every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Sometimes the pruning process isn't easy for us. It's not always comfortable for us. He does that so it might bear more fruit. It's all about his love and it's all about his discipline in our lives. Jesus says that the Father is a good gardener. As we remain in him, we will bear much fruit and will bring the Father glory. What we've been focusing on, what we've been giving ourselves to is going to determine how this plays out, like I said, and what the flesh is going to do. Back a couple of months ago, we did a podcast and we had a wonderful hand, handful of people on that podcast and Jeff Maglish was one of the guys who Parker was interviewing there. And Jeff talked about gates in our lives, these openings that we allow things to come into our lives. I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. That was in the middle of the As You Go series, so that podcast is online on our website. We need to be careful of what we have open. We have to be careful of how, and understand how things that come in affect us, how they are affecting our lives. Okay, so it's more important that we focus on abiding in the love of God rather than try to do the fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Here's another important point. We need to recognize the foes, right? The enemies who will try to steal from us. And know that they do not have to win. Those things do not have to win. That's what Jesus did for it. One of the things Jesus did for us. Before they had to win, before Jesus came, those things won every time. But because Jesus has won, because he's he's taken it on the cross, those things don't have to win anymore. So whether those things be demonic influences, natural distractions, or desires that are just not aligned with Jesus, God wants to bring healing. He wants to cut off and root out anything that the enemy may be holding on to and using to drag you down and spoil fruit, steal from you. True at times we may fail, but these things will not dominate us and our failures do not define us anymore as long as we don't allow them to. When the love of Christ becomes our identity, it's where we find our identity. It reorders all other loves in our lives. It demotes all other places where we find identity. Christ's love is not about an ego boost. It's not just that he loves us even when we screw up. It's about reordering every part of us in the best way. We're still us. He doesn't get rid of us. We're still us. You're still you. But you become the most enjoyable person to be around. That's what's happening. That's what he wants to do. The love of Jesus reorders things in our lives. Thinking about the analogy of fruit and plants, sometimes the ground, right, it needs to be tilled. It needs to, things need to happen to the ground itself so that, that what, what he wants to do can take root and grow and thrive. It's about knowing what season we're in. Sometimes the Lord wants to deconstruct things that we've, we've held onto. Joel knows what I'm talking about. He, we've had really good conversations about some of these things. But it's not just to deconstruct and then leave a pile of rubble, it's to build something. Build it on truth, build it on Jesus. The fruit, of, the fruit is evidence of love. It's, out, it's the outcome of the love of God inside of us. It's a verb. The fruit of the Spirit comes when the tree comes to fruit. You know, there's a season where the tree comes to fruit. Paul goes on to share that those whose identities are wrapped up in the flesh, you know, they'll not be able to partake in the kingdom of God. What I, what I want you to think about is not like. In eternity, they won't be able to partake in the kingdom of God. I'm talking about here and now, they won't be able to partake in the kingdom of God. Even believers, if we're, in, if we're giving in to those things of the flesh, we're not going to be able to partake of everything that the Holy Spirit has for us, the power, the rule, the authority of God. We're not going to be able to partake of it as much as we could if we weren't laying those things in our lives. Paul explores this ninefold fruit. It's one fruit, again, with nine facets. Let's read this again, Galatians 5, again, in the Amplified Translation. The fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others. Joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Love. The fruit fruit itself is love, right? This love is not just a feeling or an emotion in the scriptures, it's an action that seeks the well being of others regardless of how how they respond to us. The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, those are different things, actually, but they work hand in hand the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says we can see tremendous manifestations by the Spirit, or of the Spirit, but if we don't have love, it's useless. If we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, with the gifts of the Spirit, it's useless. So love is the fruit. But within each individual, they need to learn how to eat of that love, partake of that love, and then let it come out of themselves. Joy and peace in the New Testament or about a decision that we make because the Son of God loved us. He lived for us, He died for us, He he was raised for us. He's given us His presence by His Spirit. Life may become extremely difficult, but the fullness of our identity, the vision of who we are and the reality of who we are, is not grounded in how our life circumstances are going, but by who Jesus is. And that gives us a groundedness. It gives us a centeredness. That whatever comes our way, we can choose to have joy. Whatever comes our way, we can choose to have joy. And I can choose to stay in tranquility and His peace rather than fear because I know who I belong to. I know who I've been stamped by. I can enter and stay in His joy and peace. I never have to leave it. Patience, kindness, goodness, those are all about relationships, Right? then those relationships it's not about being a super reactive person but knowing you know I have a lot in my life that Jesus died for and yeah that person might be annoying at times They may keep doing this thing to me but you know what I can do and I have done the same and worse to others I'm capable of doing the same thing and worse to others and I have off days too you know And Jesus died for me so I can be patient and I can be kind and I can choose to see the good in them. Just as Jesus has been kind and good to me, I reflect that out to those around me. And so I will have grace. I will give grace to others. Faithfulness is the ability to be constant in other people's lives. It's mourning with them. It's laughing with them is standing by them, it's serving them. Gentleness is, not, is about not giving out, not living out or responding to any harshness. It's about listening, it's about being slow to speak, slow to anger. Taking in what's going on in other people's lives. The last one, self-control. You know, we thought it was the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit, we thought it was all about the Spirit taking control of us, but here it says, we know someone has the fruit of the Spirit, if they have self-control. What does that mean? Another way of saying that is control of self. So the question is, you know, when you see somebody who has self-control, is that them or is that the Holy Spirit? We don't know. Because it's, it's, it's so become one. <laughs> we can't tell the difference. The whole point of the theology of the Spirit in the New Testament is not that we become stoic disengaged people living out in a, in a cave somewhere. That's not what it's about. And it's not also not about the, using our own willpower to fight the, the lusts of the flesh. It's not about using our willpower. We don't have enough willpower. At some point, that willpower is going to run out. <laughs> we don't do that to accomplish this. It's asking and allowing the Holy Spirit to help us control ourselves bring ourselves under the lordship of Jesus because that's the best place to be. When that happens, our desires get realigned. We start from a whole new place. And so Paul is saying the most spirit-filled people that you know are the most human people that you know. It's a human in control of their impulses and desires and so on. People who truly take a hold of all the goodness and generosity and love and patience and kindness that Jesus has for them and given to them. The whole point is that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring us into a fuller humanity. The original design, the original desire, and beyond that. Who's the one person who actually lives this way? Jesus, right? He's the one person. And we're being made into his image. The one who's fully God and fully human. And so the Holy Spirit's making us more fully ourselves. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our lives if we let him. We want our lives to be the place where the Spirit can grow these Jesus-centered character traits. So Paul concludes in Galatians 5, 24 through 26, he says, Those who belong to Christ have been crucified. They have crucified their own sinful selves, the sinful nature of the flesh. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do passions and desires since we get our new life from the spirit live by the spirit so we should follow be guided by and walk and step with the spirit we must not be proud or conceited or make trouble or provoke each other or be jealous or envious of one another what happened to that old sinful humanity when you came to jesus it was killed right that thing died Yet sometimes it feels like, did that thing really die? I, didn't, I, I don't I didn't remember when it died. What? <laughs> if it's dead, why is it giving me so much trouble? Well, this is actually the same question that we ask. We say Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was risen as the conqueror and victor. So why does death and evil, why is it still here? It's the same question. It's just a different question. Different, uh, different scale and the answer that the new, Test- new testament gives us is that jesus rose from the dead he rose from the dead and he's the one human who has entered into and brought about the reality of new creation and the power of the spirit and so he's doing that in our lives and until he returns to fully reconcile heaven and earth we embrace this truth as continuing to be worked out it's continuing to be worked out it's happened it is happening and it will happen Right, and the same is true about our old nature. It died on the cross, and it's dying on the cross, and it will die on the cross. Just like Jesus died and absorbed the sins of the world onto Himself, and the power, you know, by the Holy Spirit—that's the Holy Spirit, the same one who's producing this fruit—we're being raised up by that same power. So look at what Paul says. He says, "Listen." If you've attached yourself to Jesus in faith, you died. What's true of Jesus is now true of you, your identity, who you are, your self-worth. The true reality of who you are is not governed by your own nature anymore. It's been nailed to the cross. And what's true of him, Jesus, is now true of you. Namely, that you live and exist by the Spirit. You're stamped, you're marked, you can't undo it. You can't undo it. No matter what you do, you can't undo it. And so since you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Learn the role of the gardener and keep in step with him. It takes a lot of work, but when you learn to live by the Spirit, it's him empowering you to keep in step with him. He's doing all the hard work. It is hard work, but he's doing all the hard work. You just got to let him. So here's what we're learning to do. Turn your page back, actually, one or two pages, back to chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 20 and 21. And I encourage you to memorize and meditate on these verses. Actually, get a pen out and write them down, or highlight them, or circle them, or whatever, in your Bible. Chapter 2, Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I've been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I've shared his crucifixion. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift, the gift of grace of God, his amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes through observing the law, then Christ died needlessly. His suffering and his death would have had no purpose whatsoever. What Paul's saying is it's not doing the law or even doing the fruit that makes us righteous. It's Jesus who makes us righteous. And it's abiding in him that righteousness will bring forth fruit. Jesus died with every single one of us if you choose to accept that. And if you choose to accept what he did was for you, you now just don't just live simply as a human trying to be a good moral person. You now live with a new person in your life. A person who's speaking good news to you. And what he's talking about is learning how to repeat what the Spirit is saying back to yourself. It's learning how to preach the gospel to yourself. We gotta learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves in every season, and every circumstance. It's the best news ever and so we need to declare it over our lives this is who jesus is this is who i am in jesus speaking the truth even in the hardest moments knowing and staying connected to this reality rather than how we feel so i challenge you for the next 21 days to read and pray and speak those two verses over yourself so you know print them out write them out whatever put them on the bathroom mirror so you see them in the morning Put them in the car if you have a long car ride. Read them to yourself. Ask the Lord about them. Dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2, 20, 21. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not ignore or nullify the grace of God. For it's righteousness that comes through for if righteousness comes through observing the law, then Christ died needlessly. Do that for 21 days. Let's see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Let's see how it affects our thought life. Let's see how it affects the way that we interact and react. Even in the moments of insanity, right? Let's see what happens. In in those times when when you're in that war between the flesh and the spirit, in that place, watch how this Holy Spirit and even your own spirit will speak those things back to you. When we're confronted with lust of the flesh, we will begin to declare this habit, this mindset, this character flaw that keeps coming back, it doesn't define me. I'm not holding on to it anymore. It's not who I really am. So Jesus, help me. That died, uh, died 2,000 years ago on the cross. And who I am right now, it doesn't exist by my own power. I don't exist by my own power. And so I need you right now. Holy Spirit, come right now. Empower me to, to make the right decision. Empower me to want what you want, God. This is learning how to garden our lives with the Father. It's saturating ourselves in the truth. And it's in the moments when we're not actually battling where we make choices that will make our life an even more hospitable garden, right? When we're not battling, how are we aligning ourselves to receive all of this, everything that the sun has for us? A lot of Christians and popular teachers are concerned about how we act. Again, the point is, not, is that we're not actors, right? We're not actors. What we need is real transformational things inside of our lives. We need real internal transformation. We don't just stop acting the way we did before. Brand new things begin to burst forth when we belong and we just begin to be with Jesus, just begin to be with God. So what do we do with this? Well, rather than try to do the fruit, we learn how to tend the garden with the Father. We keep our eyes like plants turned and focused on the Son we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. I just want to encourage you guys. Something I really felt from the Lord. That this year, I, I remember sharing this word, that this year was gonna, we were going to see a, uh, more people come to the Lord than we knew before. Their evangelism. We were going to see more people give their lives to Jesus than ever before. And I don't think that word is just, was just a wrong word. If it, at the end of the year comes and it was, hold me accountable for that. I don't think it was the wrong word. And I think that the, that the Lord is taking this season, again, to shine a light and examine what's coming out of us. Are we the most enjoyable people that, <laughs> to be around? Are we that? The people look at our lives, are there t- time spent with us? Or they're like, I want what you, you have. Is that real? Is that true? Is Jesus beautiful to them? And if he's not, what are we doing? Like we need to Jesus need to become more beautiful to us. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you guys to, to take this season and just examine with the Holy Spirit what's going on, what's coming out of us. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go back into worship. And I just want to encourage you guys during worship and even online. I know it's easy to disconnect online, even when worship's happening. I just want to encourage you guys, let's let's turn ourselves to the sun this morning. Let's let the the living water flow over us, fill us up, right? So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you, God. We say examine our lives. There's no place um, off limits to you, God. Bring transformation, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your gentleness, God. Thank you for your joy, God. Thank you for your peace. Let your love wash over us, Lord. Fill us up to overflowing. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>